Welcome back to Talking Time with Lucas and Alicia on the Inspire Radio Network. Today, we are beyond lucky. The word guru flies around a bit when it comes to certain things, but this is legitimately a guru in the criminology space and a, and a, and a guru in the research space for bettering the lives and opportunities of, of all people involved in, in the justice system. And it's Professor Eileen Baldry from the University of New South Wales. Eileen's the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of University of New South Wales, and she is an absolute guru in education for inside and the returning to the community and also homelessness. And it's great to have you here, Eileen. How are you today? Welcome, Eileen. Uh, look, thanks so much, Lucas and Alicia. It's great to be with you and lovely to be talking to people over in Western Australia, despite the fact that the last I heard, you wanted to secede. <laughs> oh, that's been going on over here for ages now. I'm I'm, I'm a Victorian <laughs> guy that moved over here, and uh, uh, it's it, yeah, and and I love WA, but 100 percent when I got in, it felt like I got in a time machine, not in a uh, not in a, not in an airplane. <laughs> but um, it's it is great to have you on board, and it's and one thing that uh, COVID has brought us is the ability to connect with people that we might not have been able to connect to beforehand, and that's uh, definitely this type of opportunity. Um. Eileen, tell us a little bit about the work you do. Your work is extensive and we could talk for hours, but give us a little bit of an idea as to some of the work that you do at New South Wales, University of New South Wales and some of the work that you've done previously over your uh, journey in, an ex- in your extensive research life. Yeah, sure. Um, so really what got me really hooked in to doing some work around um, people in prison and people who go in and out of prison was uh, I started working with uh, the most amazing person who is now unfortunately passed away, Professor Tony Vinson, who was a reformist um, uh, commissioner of corrections here in New South Wales after the Nagel Royal Commission. And um, I did some research uh, with him when I was doing some postgraduate work back in the late 80s and went in and interviewed um, some people in prison. And um, the thing that galvanised me, absolutely galvanised me, was I immediately knew that I was seeing people in the prison that I visited who were, um, on the whole, from disadvantaged backgrounds, on the whole, um, had... Uh, far less opportunities than most people in the community. And and the other thing that was very obvious to me, because I, I knew what um, many of the reasons that people were in for, um, was that uh, many of them were in for things that were around poverty, and that applied particularly to women, but not only. And, and so that galvanized me into thinking um this is unjust (laughs) you know I, I just I cannot I cannot view this as a fair thing in Australia and this wasn't about you know letting everybody out of prison it was about what is Australia and what is each of the jurisdictions in Australia what are we all doing when we send people to prison. So that was sort of the, the start of my involvement in this over 30 years ago. And, and since then, I've, um, I, I've, I've done a huge amount of, of work both in the non-government NGO sector, 
working with post-release organisations voluntarily um, and, and with some other NGOs, but also doing a lot of research and, and some teaching, um, of course, also in criminology. So I, I guess the key areas that, you know, we can follow up if we have time uh, are around what happens to people when they get out. What are, you know, are there supports? Are people more likely to be homeless? Um, are they likely to get a job? Um, you know, what, what does the community out here think about someone who gets out of prison? Um, what is the, the situation? And, and this is particularly for women, but it's the case for really everyone. And that is, are most people going back to a really difficult, um, disadvantaged situation? Um, and, and so that sort of led me to do work around homelessness, around um, people with disability, mental and cognitive disability who end up in prison. And I imagine that many of your listeners will know that that's more than half of the prisoner population today in Australia, Scary, so there's about forty, yeah, Scary, about forty-two thousand people in prison today, and huge numbers of people have uh, some form of disability, and and also um, particularly around um, and with Indigenous communities, um, Indigenous men and women, and and I've I've also recently um, and and throughout that time been also doing work around young people who end up in juvenile um, justice, whether that's in detention or in a community on a community order. So that that's sort of the areas that I've worked in uh, for a long time. Eileen, now you did mention um, women and. Um in the criminal justice system. Um, does family and domestic violence play a part in the cycle for offences and reoffending? Alicia, it, it, it plays a huge part. There are very few women in prison anywhere in Australia today who have not experienced in their lives, either as children or adults or both, forms of violence, whether that is um, sexual violence, whether it's physical violence, psychological violence um, from a partner or a family member or others in their community, um, it, is, uh, it is extremely high. Now, that's not to say every single woman mm -hmm. who is in prison experiences that, but the, the, the rate is, and certainly in the work that I've done, you know, we, we're looking at... Um, between 70 and 80% of women who end up in prison have had, yeah, have had some kind of uh, really, really difficult traumatic um, experience. And I have to say that applies particularly to Aboriginal women um, because, yeah, because, and, and again, I'm sure that all your listeners will know that, um, the rate of Aboriginal people in prison is is so shameful. It's between thirteen and forty to, um, times higher okay. if you're an Aboriginal person than if you're a non-Aboriginal person to be in prison. But with women, it's closer to twenty times. Wow. Wow. 
Eileen, do you think we have enough support mechanisms in place to support those women incarcerated and those that have reintegrated back into society? Is there enough in place to support them and help them, um, you know, reduce that cycle of the family and domestic violence and of reoffending? Yeah, look, that's a really difficult question um, because my my focus has grown increasingly towards prevention of people ever ending up in the criminal justice system. And, and so what we would need to do as a society, and, and, you know, I've looked across the world at um, evidence, at, you know, across different societies where uh, some societies do it much worse. The USA is, is shocking. Um, but Scandinavian, Nordic countries, some of the Middle German, uh, you know, German and other Middle European countries do it somewhat better. Um, Japan, for example, does it a bit better. Yeah. And that is that there is a much stronger um, state support or, or community uh, systemic support for people who find themselves in those kind of awful situations. So, um, you know, I mean, if, if uh, you know, I've, I've done so many case studies based on the research that I've done, so many case studies where I've followed the pathways of men and women, and if we talk particularly about women, um, where I can see, my, me and my team, we can see that from the time they're, on the whole, when they're quite young, they experience really difficult times. Being in out-of-home care, having been removed from your family, but not to say that sometimes children don't need to be removed if they're being abused. I'm not saying that. But uh, what I'm saying is that those that there is a much higher rate of those kids who end up in juvenile justice and then adult prison. Um, and for girls, it is, it is really high. And so if we did support and care and, um, you know, and, and, and helping families, supporting uh, families more than we do, that would help. It wouldn't solve everything, of course, but it would, it would help. So there's quite a number of things. School education is an enormously important place to um, begin to support and and recognise that kids might be struggling, whether it's because they've got disability, cognitive disability, for example, whether they're being abused at home in some way, whether they're um, struggling because, um, you know, their, their, their family is in trouble, um, recognising that in school education and then supporting those kids and supporting those families would do a lot to prevent right. um, kids and particularly, you know, we, we were just talking about women who end up in prison. You know, it, it, that would help. Um, and so, no, we don't do enough of that. Um, we don't have enough structural and systemic and supportive systems in in our um, organisations, in... in um, in housing, in health, in schools, uh, to to do that work. But some places do it, and so it can be done. It's not impossible. 
Eileen, uh, we, we want to keep chatting. Are you, are you able to hang around and we can uh, come back after the song and, and keep chatting with you? Sure thing.